Good evening, good evening, and welcome to the Position on Sports Talk Show post. Live streaming on Facebook Live, Twitch, and our Position on Sports Talk Show YouTube channel. We are a sports talk show made for the fans, from the perspective of fans presented by lifelong sports fans. We will provide our opinions and positions on the hottest topics in sports. Good, e good evening again. My name is Big Reg, and I'm joined by two of my partners in crime. I got the professor in the building. How you feeling this evening, professor? And you know how we do. We're ready to go. So praise the Lord. Let's get it. I got my man, Ed. What's going on, Big Ed? How you feeling this evening? Oh, man, it's good to be here. As usual, you know I look forward to seeing you guys every week. Come on now. Let's talk some sports. And then we got special guests in the building. I am honored, honored to introduce our special guests. We got Mr. Aaron Caesar and co-head coach, Coach Larry Mark of the Future Soccer Club Monarchs. What's up, fellas? Welcome to Position on Sports. Glad to have y'all in this evening. How y'all doing? Feeling good glad to be glad here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Definitely an honor. Thank you guys. All right, for all right, all right. Looks like J3 is going to pop in and out and have a little technical difficulties, but as he gets, if he can get in, we'll get him in. So this evening, we're going to have our, we're going to start off the top with an interview with the future. Uh, soccer club monarchs get to talk with Aaron and Coach Mark. After that, we're gonna go into the NFL. We're gonna do our AFC team needs for the draft coming up. Some other topics that caught our attention, of course, professors post takes and our final post of the evening. As always, we appreciate you all tuning in each and every week. It is truly an honor to share our positions on sports with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy posts on the Positional Sports Talk Show channel. So right. I want to start out with my man Aaron. Aaron, man, how does it feel, my friend? I, I I just want to say congratulations to you and Coach for that Thank enormous, you. enormous victory y'all had about ten days ago down in Dallas. Raise the roof. Do we, do we still raise the roof? Does anybody still do that? Oh, yeah. Yo, yeah, we do it. We, are, we, we that age demographic. Right. I don't know y'all understand. <laughs> but before we talk about the Dallas Cup, uh, I want to get uh, either you or Coach Mark a, a chance to give us a little background on the Monarchs. Tell us a little bit about the Monarchs. You want to go first, Jose? Right, I'll, I'll start first. So, um, yeah, Future Soccer Club Monarchs is a, it's a small family-oriented, you know, small-based soccer club and, and based in Prince George's County, Maryland, um, originally out of the Upper Marlboro area, right? Uh, two, two fine gentlemen by the name of Mark Langan and uh, John Washington, right? Um, just two dads, right, with sons who they wanted to provide a good environment to play the game with. Started a club, uh, very humble beginnings. And had a uh, a large group of talented kids in that Upper Marlboro area, and it continued to grow. This was uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, and um, just kept rolling. At this point, the club has three teams, right? So we have a a seventeen, eight year old team, which uh, Aaron and his and his do rag is on. Uh, we have a um, <laughs> we also have an eighteen, nine year old team, and we have a, a fourteen and fifteen year old team. So yeah, small club, but um, Obviously, we're achieving great things because we got a great group, you know, great families, uh, great hearts. Um, yeah, go ahead, Aaron. Would you add your, your, your take to it. Yeah, we're a small club at PG County from Upper Marlboro. Uh, 
I've been on the team for about I want to say four or five years, and yeah, they all like my brothers. It's just it's just like it's a bunch of brothers playing together, playing soccer at a high level, trying to get better every day. Amen. So you you said high level. How how high of a level are you guys competing in? Um, at this point, the highest level that you can really compete in, um, in the country when it comes to youth soccer, right? So um, the tournament that we just came from in Dallas is one of the most prestigious um, youth soccer tournaments in the world and is definitely the top tournament in the nation. So, yeah, the, the level doesn't get much higher than that. You know, these kids are all fighting to, you know, hopefully get spots in, in collegiate programs and also trying to continue to hopefully get a spot on a professional team somewhere and get paid, you know, pretty well to do what they love to do. So, yeah, we're at the top of the food chain right now. <laughs> I like especially that. since I like it moved us to number one, especially since it moved us to number one in the state, number seven in the nation, we definitely talk talk. up there. Talk that talk, man. Let them know. Uh oh, uh oh, uh -oh. All right. <laughs> number one in the number one in the state of Maryland, number no. seven in the country. Yeah. No. So, 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 Coach Mark and 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 Aaron, uh, again, thanks for showing up tonight. Uh, we really, really appreciate uh, the both of you uh, being on with us. And I have so many questions, but I'm trying. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to limit them. Um, so, so the first one, I, I want to talk to you for a minute, Coach uh, Coach Mark. Um, the question I have is: There's no. It's no secret that uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, where you guys are located or based, is perhaps the richest or most wealthy. I should say most wealthy uh, black uh, county in America. Um, and I was wondering if because I think from from the distance and from the outside looking into soccer uh as a or football um as a whole i think i, I would I, it seems that black uh players are underrepresented uh in 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 america as far as soccer is concerned um how do you first of all how do you get how do you get black kids to gravitate towards soccer in particularly in this uh, in, in predominantly black communities, although wealthy black communities, how do you get youth uh, children, black children to gravitate towards soccer as opposed to uh, Little League baseball, right. youth football, uh, definitely basketball? Um, is it a challenge? Um, could I mean, could you elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Great. Great question. And. For one, as you know, I mean, the DMV area already, you know what I mean, is a, is a melting pot in general. So this question, right, as I answer this question, it's not just even isolating, you know, Prince George's County. Like, it's going to be the same for inside the city in D.C., Montgomery County, Northern Virginia. It's, just, it's the same thing, right? Um, it's the same story, same struggle. So um, step number one. So for me and my generation, right, of, 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 of young African-Americans who kind of were playing the sport in the, in the 80s and the 90s, the majority of us, our parents were immigrants, right? So my parents were from uh, Trinidad and Grenada, right? Mm -hmm. And most of the kids that I came up with, same thing, like their parents were from some African country or from some Caribbean country. So I grew up playing with a lot of, you know, other um, brothers such as myself. And it, it, it really wasn't until I got a little bit older once I realized, damn, they don't, they don't even think soccer was cool. You know, right. as a young kid, I didn't even realize that because my environment, right, it wasn't it wasn't pro football, it wasn't pro basketball, right? So I didn't even realize that 
than in other people's households. Like Sunday was big football day. You know what I mean? Because that's right. not how my family was. I didn't even realize that. So I started to play basketball, you know, as a, as a social thing. You know, when I'm in middle school, like, oh, I want to be cool. Like, that's what everybody's doing. That's what the girls like. Cool. I'm going to get friends. Cool. I'm going to do it. But it was always in my heart, though. Right. But naturally, just trying to acclimate to everything, you know, around in America, that's what you gravitate to. So I'm saying all that to say, like, I started off coaching really in some of the roughest neighborhoods, you know what I mean, in D.C. and Berry Farms and things like that is where, oh, where I got my wow. coaching start. <laughs> right. And, and the reason why I bring this example up is because those little kids there, you couldn't tell them nothing. It wasn't like, oh, man, you know, soccer is a white sport or what's this sport? They loved it. You know what I'm saying? They're getting introduced to a sport and they loved it. And in mm -hmm. that neighborhood over there, those kids, is not that much structure, right? So they don't really have to do anything. They can do what they want. If they feel like going to school, they go to school. When school is over, if they feel like doing something unproductive, they're going to do it. They feel like being productive, they're going to do it. So the fact that those kids are showing up with no parents dropping them off, nothing like that, they're just coming to the field for the love of the game. You know what wow. I mean? Like, also... Yeah. Those kids, one day I'm driving through the neighborhood, they stole the balls out the rec center, you know what I mean, to go play with them, them themselves in the neighborhood. I thought that was amazing. I said, we got, we, we got something here. So that just yeah. goes to show, right, that the love is there and the natural aptitude for the game is there. But what happens is, right, and this is what I saw even coaching for years in Berry Farms, is that as you start to get older now, like I said, when I learned, when I got to middle school, oh, snap, soccer not cool. Right. Mm -hmm. So the same thing they're going through that, too. You get you get older and it's like, oh, man, that's not cool because the black community is thinking there's no money in soccer. Right. They think okay. when you play sports, right, you're supposed to be this big figure on TV, getting all this money and how America kind of has it set up. And then I don't know if we're going to get into that in this interview or not, but. It's set up in such a way almost where like, yeah, they're not. They don't want almost. I don't want to say anything unpolitically correct, but no, nah, you can yeah, close. I talk, talk. All right, talk yeah, that it's, talk. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like yeah, they want to keep it for themselves because they know what happened in other sports once we got a hold of it. So it's almost like strategic marketing, advertising, like everything they're doing is almost to keep it away so that black people don't think there's money in it or black people feel like it's a white sport, but. If you go internationally, you'll yeah. see, right? Man, black players the best players in the world, right? France, who just won the um, who won the the most recent World Cup. You look at their lineup. That starting line, starting at 11, six to seven black players on that field. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Same thing. African descent, um, immigrated to France, just like most of the 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 ballers here in America, right? So that's kind of where it starts. The beauty now within PG County, right? Then I'm starting to realize, right? So I went to the math of myself, right? And 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 what's up, Okay, okay, you want to do it? Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn because I also coach at McNamara. So me and the other co-coach for Future Monarchs, we also coach at McNamara. So you know, it's it's, it's kind of tricky because yeah, we just beat the math of the other day, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, uh, shameless plug, shameless plug. Little little, you know, shout out Mark Brown. Huh? <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, so one of the things that I saw in PG County was that, uh, yeah, I'm running into a lot of guys, you know, ex Demanda Stags, ex, ex big time athletes, ex basketball and football players. But what's starting to happen is, um, yeah, these kids, and I, a lot of it is because of YouTube. Like I said, in my, in my era, we didn't have access to all these things that kids have access to. And like I said, it was like the powers that be were trying to limit what we knew about soccer. So now these kids, as you know, if y'all got kids, and they're getting everything right in front of their face. So as the most two recent World Cups rolled around, 
more kids had more access to it. And then the more kids are now seeing other black kids doing dope stuff. You know what I'm saying? They're seeing other kid, guys who look like them. They're doing stuff that they think is kind of cool and swaggy. They're liking the moves. They're liking the goals. And they're starting, to, they're starting to tap into it. You know, they're starting to love the soccer culture within itself. FIFA has a lot to do with it. You're starting to find a lot of guys around, you know, around the way playing FIFA. You know, they're starting to learn all the players through FIFA. And through playing FIFA, they realize, wow, man, there's a lot of black dudes out here, you know, playing the sport. So, like I said, I'm starting to have conversations with parents where it's like, man, you know, they were a basketball guy, football guy, but their son wants to play soccer. They don't know why, right? They don't know what to do. But it's like that's kind of where me and the other coach, and his name is Mark as well, where we kind of come into play where these parents are relating to us. They're like, all right, you know, you kind of like me. I can relate to you. And your, and my child can relate to you as well. You know, hey, man, help me out, man, because I don't really know nothing about this soccer stuff, but it seems like you do. And then so that's what we're trying to do, right? We're mm -hmm. trying to kind of kick that door wide open to let all these other black, uh, you know, boys and girls come up on in here and enjoy this beautiful game. And then hopefully either get, get an education from it or even better get paid from it because uh, a conversation I had with the young lady in Berry Farms, I'll never forget that. I was telling her like, man, your, your child is okay. You know, keep going. You never know one day he can get a scholarship to play somewhere in college. And she said to me, wow, they giving scholarships for soccer. <laughs> she was dead serious. She was dead serious. She had no clue. She had no clue that they're giving scholarships for soccer. So this is what I mean. It's like black people just didn't really know for real. And now they're starting to know. And, and a lot of people yeah. don't know that, real quick, Professor, a lot of people don't know that the highest fight, highest earning athletes in the world yes. are soccer slash football players. Yeah, look it up. All right. Look up that top ten hot look up that top ten list every year of the they're, highest paid. Yep, and they're gonna be on there. There's six or seven out of the top ten every yeah, year. Every year, that's what I'm saying. So it's 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 there. You know, black people just didn't know, but it's it's changing. What these boys did at Dallas Cup. It shows that it's changing. You know, that's what made what they did so monumental. I'm getting calls every day from from people from my era, right, and the era before my era, right, who who kicked down doors, you know. And I told – remember, Aaron, when I came into the room and we talked about that, right, the mm -hmm. night before the game, right? Yeah. I told him that, how big that was and how so many people wished they could be there and how that meant so much to so many people. And I told him, I said, like, y'all probably don't understand this right now. Maybe y'all will get it 10, 20 years from now. But what those boys did was big time for the black community, for anybody, even the Spanish community. I mean, anybody who's a minority who knows anything about youth soccer and knows how big that tournament is. And to see, you know, um, a team that looks like us to be able to. Okay, we haven't. We lost your sound for a little bit. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I was saying that it, um, what we did was very inspirational, and I'm getting calls every day from people who were inspired all over the country. You know, what I'm saying people said I had to watch the, the the game with my son. I sat my son down and watched the game. You know, my whole family we sat down and we watched the game, and we're proud. Even people who don't even play soccer told me how inspired they were just seeing that. So, yeah, that was big. Go ahead, professor. Hey, yo, can y'all let the Carol line come up in here since y'all got all that spag love going on? <laughs> I love Carol. Right, quick, do you Every know spag love's going to Carol. Every spag <laughs> love's going to Carol and doing work. <laughs> hey, oh, Mark, Coach Mark, do you know Aaron Yates? Aaron Yates? Because you're talking about Barry Farms, yeah. Because before they tore, the, tore, tore everything down, he was running basketball leagues over there and stuff. Oh, I think we lost his audio. 
All right, till Coach come back. People keep trying to call my phone and I'm declining it. But now okay. Mr. Wallace, there was a Mr. Wallace who was up there running the wreck when I was up there. Aaron Yates, I'm not sure. I used okay. to go, I did go up there and I used to when they had the uh the 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 basketball league up there, I think with the Kennedy League when they used to have that up there. I used to go up there all the time for those. One of my good uh buddies had a team that used to be in that league and Kevin Durant used to be on his team in the summer, so I used to go up there for that all the time though as well. So if you seen that, then you seen him out there coaching. But I just wanted to see if you knew him. Okay. Question for Aaron. Okay. Quick question for Aaron though. Since you've been in soccer and really playing and really just appreciating the sport that it is, getting the feel for that world flavor, tell us a little bit about the life skills, the discipline that the sport has taught you in order to become a better young man into a better man. Yeah, soccer taught me so much. So, like, I started playing soccer when I was in eighth grade. So everyone else I played with, my whole future team, when I hopped on the team, that was my first ever soccer team that had a real coach. So I was years behind everybody else. So what soccer taught me was that, like, when I got there, I can't lie, when I was first on the team, all my teammates was laughing at me. How he made the team suck, uh-uh. But then I learned that, like, if I really wanted to get better, I had to grind every day. And that's really what it taught me with everything. Like, I also DJ on the side. I do so many other things on the side. It also taught me that, like, this all got to grind and work every day. So with me grinding and working every day, I got the opportunity to be on this team with my with my teammates being able to play with them at such a big event such as Dallas Cup. So soccer's just taught me about grind every day, how sometimes things don't go your way, but it's about keep going. And then one day it will because every dog's got his day, like Coach Larry say. Every dog got his day. Right. So with the empowerment that you have now, how will you move the sport ahead as you move on to college and maybe a professional career? How will you show other young people the true benefits of playing soccer? Just by really just by keep doing what I've been doing, keep working hard. When people see you working hard and doing what you're supposed to do and achieving things while doing that, they be like, dang, I want to do that too. I want to be just where you're at. So as long as I keep my head down, keep grinding, keep hitting the lab and working on my craft and getting better no matter what level I'm at, people are going to be like, wow, I want to be like, I want to do what you're doing. What are you doing to get here? And that might inspire someone else to do the same thing. Excellent. And lastly for me for now, Coach Mark, what do you do or say to athletes that really don't understand that grind of playing soccer that's just as prolific as playing, you know, football, soccer, any of the other sports. Yeah, you got to have a, a special character. No offense to the other sports, but it's a special character that you have to have because you might not have that immediate glory, right, that, that you get when you're playing a basketball or football. You're going to have that immediate glory from the neighborhood, from your family, from everybody around you. And then you're seeing it. You're seeing the NBA. You're seeing the NFL. And you're seeing the reception that everybody gets. So from soccer, you might not be seeing it or feeling it Right. So it's a lot of it is a hope and a dream. You know what I mean? And it's really for the love of the game. You, you've got to really have that. You know, you really can't enter soccer with in America, at least with the intentions of I just want to make money. You know what I mean? Which is what you'll find a lot of other kids when it comes to basketball and football, especially basketball. I, mean, I just want the girls. I, mean, I was playing basketball for the girl. Like you can't you can't do that in soccer. You have to love the game. If you don't love the game and, and ask, Aaron, I, hey, I would tell kids on our team years ago, quit. I'll tell them quit, man. You know what I'm saying? At this stage, like, man, if you don't really love this, if you don't really want to do this, right, put this work in, put this grind in every day, you know what I mean? 
uh, put the work in. When we're not around you, bro, go do something else, man. Go do something else that you love. You see what I'm saying? Don't waste your time doing this as a young teenager right now, right? These critical years, do something that you love, man. Harness that passion. Don't waste time over here. You got something, Ed? You know, I always got some. <laughs> yeah. You had that look on your face. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Coach Mark, and, and then real quick, well, let me start with let me start with Aaron. Aaron, did you say you started um, playing in eighth grade? I started playing in eighth grade. Okay, so if you started playing in eighth grade, was there any outside uh, like pressures? What what made you go to soccer instead of another sport? I asked your coach this yeah, earlier. But what? How did you gravitate towards the the, the field, the pitch? <laughs> how did you gravitate towards the pitch <laughs> instead of you know instead of the hoop court or you know the baseball field or whatever? I mean, I was for real, I was always playing every sport for real, and I can't lie. Before I started playing soccer, I used to look at soccer like what is that? Like I don't play soccer. I don't really care nothing about soccer. But then in middle school, I had a friend. Uh, he was Hispanic. His name was Henry, and he was good. And me and him will always compete at everything, but he always be better than me at soccer. And I told myself I gotta get better at soccer. So I, before I, when I went to aftercare, I used to go juggle a soccer ball, pass against the wall, just try to get better, better than him. And then all of a sudden he stopped playing. I just fell in love with the game, and I just kept playing. I had a passion for the game when I started playing it. Thanks, and 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 Coach Mark, real quick, um, is it getting easier? You you did mention a, a little bit. You touched on this a little bit earlier when you were talking. Um, as far as parents coming up to you, but do you are you starting to have an easier time uh, getting kids involved in soccer yeah, or talking to parents because of the head injuries that's going on and being um, talked about and publicized in football? It's I mean, I know I know soccer can be a contact sport, but it's a little a little less contact than say football. I like your questions, man. You got some good questions. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you said that because yes, all that is true. I'll give you a couple examples. So step number one, my my son's mother, um, she was a cheerleader, right? She grew up in that football culture, right, as well. And one of the things that she told me immediately, right, I didn't even have to say anything. We already know. She told me immediately, son's not playing football. I don't care. I don't want to. I don't want him to do it. He's not doing it. Hey, that's fine with me. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. I, that was easy. Okay, what else we got to talk about? You know what I'm saying? And then, um, so yeah, she definitely represents that new era of mothers, right? That who who, yeah. who don't want that. And also, I was telling somebody the other day, right? I mean, it's unfortunate what happened, right, with that mass shooting, right, with the football player. Mm -hmm. But what I was saying is, watch, that's going to change the trajectory of football, because it's going to shine a light, right, on what's going on with these fellas, what's going on with their brain. And a lot of them are even saying that. A lot of these football players, are, even they're saying. Right. They don't want their kids to play. Right. They don't want their kids to go through what they went through. I feel like it's split. I hear some NFL players is like, man, I don't care. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then some is like, ah. So, yeah, a lot of that is, is yeah, come come my way. I'm waiting on it. Come right, play right. soccer. We waiting on you, buddy. We waiting on you. Right? Because everybody can't play. It's cool. Everybody can't play football. You know what right. I mean? Everybody right. can't play basketball. It's okay. There's other options, man. We can do, we can do that. We can play soccer, too. We can swim. Play yeah. baseball, whatever. We spread it around. There's <laughs> enough millions for everybody. Let's get it all. You know, I agree. All we gotta do is learn. I, I yeah, gotta... Exactly. And look at how Aaron was telling y'all. He started in the eighth grade. That's See amazing. What I'm saying? That is yeah. amazing. That is amazing, right? And I hopefully he can take this what he learned, right, and the grind that he put into it. He can apply that to his DJ career and and whatever else that he he decides to pursue. Once he now he saw right the success that he had, right, happening late. 
put that grind in, right? He saw our team put that grind in. He saw the success that we had. All he has to do now is apply that same formula to anything else in life, and he's going to be straight. Mm-hmm. One last question before we let y'all tell us about the Dallas Cup. And I, I, I'll let Aaron handle this for me. Uh, a two-part question for you, Aaron. Uh, first, yeah. um, tell us the difference between a traveling team and like a local community-based team. And then second, I need you to tell me about, you know, how is it that you did big soccer playing now, you know, with your friends and all that? Uh, do you have your soccer friends and then your school friends? And how does all that work when they when they find out that you 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 got mad skills on the pitch? I'm sorry, what was the first question again, sir? Um, if you could explain the difference between a traveling team, which is your team, and like the r- normal community-based teams that we would see, like the rec, rec center teams. Okay. Well, basically, so what I say with, with a travel team, the practices are a lot more frequent. With a, with a rec team, the practice will probably be like two times a week. With a travel team, will be like three. And then uh, also with a travel team, you're playing, you're playing at a higher level and you're, you're going further to play. Rather than in a rec team, you're just playing against other rec, like, other rec teams out there that have the levels not that high, it's not as competitive. And also, when a rec team, it would only be like for a season, but a travel team, it could be a whole year. Mm. Did you have anything you want to add to that, Coach Mark, before he tells us about it, his friends? No, nah, no, nah, he, yeah, he, he, he spelled on with that. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, travel is, yeah, you serious, serious. Travel is like AAU. Yeah, you know travel I mean? money. Yeah, right, exactly. Which is exactly. another way they can help eliminate certain elements because True. you go to these big tournaments not only do you have to get there not only do you have to pay for lodging you got to pay the fees to get in these tournaments right so, yeah. and that and, and and that um you know the segue into the dallas cup that's another thing you know that makes that victory so big time because even though right right i know how you mentioned right coming out of pg county you know wealthiest county um for, for black people in the country but still our club is still a small operation and uh, uh compared to other organizations that were going up against in travel soccer they have a large uh how do i say this there's a lot of money behind them it's a, lot, it's, a, it's a huge operation behind them so in dallas cup the team that we beat in the finals fc dallas is actually an mls organization right so mls is the is the nba if you will of soccer the nfl right it's the professional highest level of professional soccer in our country so there, so how it's set up, right? These MLS teams will also have traveling clubs and academies. You see what I'm saying? And so they're getting the funding of these MLS clubs. So they're getting million dollar funding. You know what I mean? We don't have that. We don't have that at all. So we're still suffering. So also to show you the, the trickiness of the landscape, right? Of soccer in this country and how they set it up. Cause yeah, okay, PG County, wealthiest county. Still, we struggle, right? Our club team struggles to to get what it needs right we have um one we we practice on one field three teams on one field you see what i mean where these other organizations out here that we're coming up against they got about 30 practice fields to choose from right aaron can tell you we were just down there in dallas and we're going to all these different little parks 30 fields at this park 30 fields at that park you know what i mean each we only have three clubs three teams in our organization they got about three teams in each age group you see what i'm saying so it's it's a lot that goes into it um, financially to, to be a travel team um, that a lot of these other teams are getting sponsorships and things like that to help them out that we're not getting. 
So what Aaron and them boys did was big time. We had a question come in from J3 because he couldn't get it because of tech difficulties. Do you guys get any county support? No. So that's what we're trying to get now, right? After those boys did what they did, um, we started it, um, you know, pick up some traction. I think the county executive, she kind of retweeted and, and put on Instagram, you know, our achievements. And I think that's the plan right now to try to get some support, you know, behind these boys and behind our club because – we still got a lot of things to do, right? Um, taking this show on the road, getting these guys um, some looks, getting them to college and things like that. So, yeah, we need all the help we can get. Well, fantastic. We just popped it up on the screen, but uh, for y'all out there that's listening, might not be able to see this, um, check out futuresoccerclub.org. That is the team's website, and I'm sure they would appreciate any uh, donations or assistance you can help these appreciate fine you. young yes, men and women doing great things in the sock field. So tell us about the Dallas Cup, Aaron. I'm, I'm gonna let you all on a friend. Tell me about the, the Dallas Cup. The Dallas Cup was an experience. Like I can't. It was when I got home. It was hard. It was hard to even to understand how big of like we played in the Dallas Cup Stadium, like in the stadium for FC Dallas. Like when when I got on the field, when I got subbed on, and I was running on the field. I looked up at the Megatron. And I saw myself running on the field. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is crazy. Like, yeah, it was a crazy experience. It was high level games. Watching great players, watching players on my team. Shout out to our fullback Jordan Liddell, locked down at UCLA, full commit. Like, right. I was doing amazing things and seeing what we could do against those teams inspired me even more to work even harder. So we could win that and come back home and win even more uh, cups and tournaments we got coming up. Like we got state cup coming up and things like that. So being in Dallas was a crazy experience. It gave us a lot of confidence when we won that one. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. So um, I, I, I heard a, 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 a little birdie told me that you guys were the only uh, predominantly uh, black team down there. Was, was that accurate? That's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure they weren't too happy to see y'all take that cup home. And y'all got sent us a picture of the cup, so we can post it on the website. We need to see the cup. Okay, Definitely. I got you. I got you. I got you. I know they wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, was so Aaron, when you were down in Dallas, was this was were there Qualify, qualifying events leading up to Dallas, or did everybody meet in Dallas because of COVID? Did everybody just meet in Dallas and go for it, like for like maybe one day was one round, another day was another round, and then you had the championship? Was it was it something to that effect, or did you build up to that point and then finally you you all flew to Dallas and had the uh, the championship? So basically, two years ago, what we were doing were we trying to we were trying to build up enough points to be able to go down and play for Dallas. But you have to have a certain amount of points and ranking to be able to go and play. Okay. So once we did that, we were supposed to go to Dallas in 2020. But when COVID happened, it COVID. got canceled. So oh, this okay. year was so this year was the year that we went. And yeah, when we went down there, it was we played our first game the day after we got there, then we played the game the next day. Then we had one rest day, then we played the game the next day. And that was the group stage. And we ended up winning two games and we tied the second game. And then after that, then it was the knockout rounds. So we had the quarterfinals, and then we had the semifinals and the finals, all all in three days. 
And were all these teams, are these all U.S.-based teams, or did you have some um, from maybe, say, Puerto Rico or Canada, or was this just basically, is it all these teams? Um, I, I need you to educate me because I, I don't know. So, <laughs> Or is all these teams from the continental U.S.? Well, usually Dallas Cup is known for having international teams there, but this year because of COVID, they didn't have any, so it was all teams from the U.S. Okay, thank you. Oh, gosh. Good question. Yeah, so my Good question, question is, are you looking forward to some international competition as things start to open up? Yes, sir. Sure, definitely. Sure. definitely. Sure. So we, we'll be sure. back there next year. And, yeah, hopefully, God willing, you know what I'm saying, COVID willing, those those international teams will be there and we'll get first crack at them. And that will yeah. be even bigger. That will be even bigger. Absolutely. Be, yeah. Now, as defending champs, do you automatically get an automatic bid to the yep. tournament? Yep, okay. automatic. We are, yeah, nice. we are already there. Nice. We are already there. Now, did I also hear that there was another PG County team in a different age group that was in the playoffs? No, uh, Baltimore. They were from Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore. Right. okay. And then no, no disrespect. Right, shout out to them. But once again, they're part of that 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 big arm, right, with, with all that extra help and, and, and you know, the, the, the lots of dollars of backing. You know what I mean? Um, but still, shout out to them, right? Another Maryland uh, outfit that went out there and did their thing. But still, it's a little bit different than us, though, right? Yeah, it's a right. Bit different. Yeah, we need to change that narrative and start getting some exactly. big boy dollars behind y'all. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely, if you guys have any like merchandise, paraphernalia, stuff like that, let us know because I know all the fellas here rock all of that stuff for sure. Okay, yeah, we'll definitely keep y'all in the loop with that. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's big time. And already so, just doing what y'all did so far. That's great. So it sounds like that it, it, I know that a lot of uh, club teams are kind of taking more of the European model. They're bringing it over here where you you have the big club teams. So why doesn't um, a DC, does DC United have a local teams that they sponsor? Yeah, so um, as I was saying about how the MLS teams have those those clubs – who um with those youth teams so to speak yeah so mls has tried their own way to try to emulate the european model it's not the same they try to do their own version of it yes dc united has a version of it um but it still ties back into what i was saying before like for whatever reason the powers that be are not trying to do this the right way you know what i mean they're not mm -hmm. doing this the right way so once again if, if if DC United was doing it the right way, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of our boys would be, you know, a part of that situation, so to speak. Or, you know, because um, how it's supposed to be, right, it's supposed to be a feeder, right, into right. the – right, right. So, all these boys in this area, right, should be, like, part of a funnel to go through DC United into eventually, right, that, that, that pro status at DC United. But, unfortunately, it doesn't quite break down that simply. You know, it's a lot of other politics that goes into it. It's a lot of other things that goes into play. Um, so, and you guys are asking good questions. I'm just going to throw it out there. That's why I'm sure y'all know the U.S. national team doesn't have the highest success rate when it comes to the World Cup and things <laughs> like that. Well, terrible. This is, this is why. Terrible. Right? This is why. Right? This is why. Because the powers that be, for whatever reason, right, they want it like that. Right? They want it like that. I, I don't know why. I, I think maybe they're getting all the money and all the power, but it's set up like that, and that's why that result is looking like that. You know what I mean? Well, I think historically when you have these the, uh, certain sports like soccer, tennis, lacrosse, you, 
you, you, you tend to have, um, like you said, like you mentioned earlier, Coach Mark, they, they want to keep it to themselves, so to speak. Um, because, I mean, let's be honest, soccer, agility, quickness, coordination. Speed, power. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'll just leave it alone. I, that's I, what I'm I'll, I'll just leave it alone. But, I mean, you know, let's, let's be That's honest. what I'm saying. And that's, and that's why it's like, and that's why, you know, anybody who sees our boys play, it's like you don't have to be a fan of soccer. You don't have to. If you're just a fan of sports, you're going to like how we play. You're going to like how we play because that's what you're going to see. It's going to look familiar. You know what I mean? It looks familiar. It's just like if you if you were to go to Brazil, right, if you watch Brazil play soccer, oh, right, or watch Brazilians God. play, <laughs> the same, right, the same flair, the same juking that we love to see, that's what you're going to see, yeah. right? You know what I mean? And that's because their culture, right, Brazilian soccer is like, American basketball, right? The cultures are exactly the same. You go to Brazil in the streets, everybody's playing soccer, mm-hmm. futsal. You see what I'm saying? Everywhere, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same type of way. It's the same thing. So, um, right, our boys is is, is is a reflection of that, right? And like you said, it just ties back into what you're saying. I mean, when we were down in Dallas, that's what it looked like. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, wow. They they can't do nothing with these boys because, yeah, we're right. <laughs> too quick, too fast, too strong, right, too slick. Too skillful, you know, per usual. Too, hey, too well coached. Yeah, per usual. There you go. Throw that in there, too. Yeah, don't forget that. Thank you. Don't yeah. forget that. We yeah, do that better, you know, they, too. They, they, they famous for not wanting us to coach either. You so already we, know. We talk about that a lot here on and this that's, show. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly. what you're not going to see a lot of is a lot of as black coaches at the highest level. You're not going to see a lot of black coaches in the college game, right, especially in D1. You're not going to see a lot of black coaches, right, on the professional ranks especially in America. But once again, I mean, hey, all right. Y'all changing things. Y'all changing things. Exactly. Right. But, you know, we said in the beginning, we keep it real on this show. And, you know, the greater folks right now in the sport are doing what they've done in every other sport that they tried to keep us out of. It's part of the reason why it's taken so long for us to have great players in hockey. They put that racism front and center to try to keep us from yes. getting into those sports. Yes. But now yes. that we're starting to get into those sports, we're influencing others just like exactly. us, and we're starting to dominate. And that's exactly. what they're fearful of. Exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, fellas. Well, before we let y'all get out of here, I got a uh, question. What's the next big tournament y'all are uh, aiming for? So the next big State thing, Cup. so we got, yeah, we got State Cup, right? So we got... Uh, first round of state cup we were supposed to have our first round last week but they forfeited you know they didn't want to smoke they knew what we was doing <laughs> i mean we literally i'm telling you we literally beat them in warm-ups i'm not lying like we were watching us warm up and they quit they was like nah man, forget it <laughs> forget it they didn't want to do it aaron tell them man tell they them. did it they they did aaron it. had his do-rag on they was like these fellas are too tough man. They got all that. <laughs> but uh but yeah so we got state cup um Trying to win state cup. Once we win state cup, then we gotta go to the regional tournament, right? Where we're battling for it, right? Uh to be the best team in, in our region. We're in region one, which is from Maine down to Virginia. Wow. Right. We win that, then we go to the national championships in the summer. So that's what we that's what we that's what we're trying to get to. That national championship in the summer, get that national title, make it official. Well, well, do us a favor. Please keep in contact with us. So when y'all have tournaments going on. We can put it up on our page and let thank people you. know because we thank definitely so want to give y'all support. Thank you. Um, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Congratulations, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so proud thank of you, you young thank man. You. Yeah. 
Proud of you I too, man. Your, your, your dad's talking about taking your hand in everywhere. And he, he, he was so proud of you. Hey. It, it, it was incredible. So That's keep beautiful. doing your good stuff. And we, we look forward to hearing more great things yes. about the Monarchs. Coach Mark, it was an absolute yes. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Whenever y'all want to talk about soccer again, please, man. Let me let me come back. Oh, we got you. Oh, no, no, we got you. I like y'all questions. Y'all, y'all gonna help us expose some things out here for real. Yeah. That's right. Hey, we love that. We yeah, I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. We keep the straight no yeah, chaser. We, we get down into the nitty gritty about why things happen the way they do about Amen. sports because we yeah. love sports. We're sports fans. That's yeah. right. I can yeah. 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 Love. You mess with us, we'll have you on how, in how they feel before you know it. Let's go. Let's go. There you go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, fellas. Again, we appreciate y'all. We're going to jump off and talk a little NFL. So we okay. will talk to y'all soon. All right. Congratulations again. Keep up the Thanks good again. work. Thank you. All right, All right, again, fellas. Thank y'all. Y'all be safe. All right. You too. Thanks. Man, fellas, that, that was, was awesome. Yes, that was real awesome. good. <laughs> that was education. Forty minutes went by like that. Yeah, yeah. that was crazy. That was crazy. So let's go ahead and knock this AFC out real quick. So the draft is uh, ten days away. Two weeks, yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 it's it, it's coming up. So in the AFC. You got the AFC West. You got the Chiefs, the Ra- Raiders, Chargers, Broncos. I mean, the big dog in there, obviously, is the Chiefs. Back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. Um, Chiefs did release both of their tackles, even though both of them were injured. Mm-hmm. And they also released Damian Williams, which a lot of people don't remember, mm-hmm. uh, was huge in their Super Bowl victory. Yeah. So... What, what what do y'all think the Chiefs need to uh, do or have done already to you know make another run? Try to be try to do it three times in a row back to the Super Bowl. Ooh. Well, they must know something we don't know because I felt that Damian Williams was going to get back to form. So by releasing him, I mean I know they got faith in Hilaire, and I know they still got your boy there. You know, he was once Pittsburgh. You know his name. But I think he's maybe that third down, end of the career type back. So they must have something up their sleeves that they're going to bring in at running back. And I know they've been uh, not not so quiet about their search for linemen, you know, to fill in those holes. Of course, they didn't want to pay to keep the two, you know, Eric Fisher and Swartz there. So they're probably going to look at some cheaper alternatives to anchor that line because I feel they are going to do the right thing, unlike Seattle, and make sure they protect their half, uh, what, billion-dollar quarterback. So I think we'll see some moves there. And I think they may even do something, at least one, in the draft. I'm not saying first round. But I'm certainly saying maybe the second or third round they might reach for a lineman to solidify that line. It's all about offensive line with Kansas City. They, they I mean, we we all witnessed that um, on Super, Super Bowl, Bowl Sun, on Super Bowl Sunday. So I mean, they do get their uh, uh, former All Pro, well, all 
I guess, all-star guard back uh, that opted out. Uh, Laurent, I guess, what is his name? Laurent DeVernay, I think, from Canada. Carpeep, yeah. Yeah, um, so they get him back. But it's all it's all about offensive line. Um, they can't – they have to build through the draft at this point because they have no money. They're, I mean, they have so much money tied up in Mahomes and Cheetah and um, uh, Kelsey. Uh, they they have to go through the draft to find the, the fine um, linemen. It was interesting. They actually tried to sign Trent Williams, but he was just – he wanted a little too much money. No, they was – Of course. They was, deep, they was deep in the negotiations with Trent Williams. He just wouldn't come down enough. The oh, you know. at the last, and at the last second, San Francisco decided to go ahead and pony up and give him all that right. money and stuff. But, uh, well, uh, Trent was like that when he was here in this city. He about that money. Yeah, he, he should but be. A sneaky pickup was Kyle Long. He yeah, took but, a year off and let his body heal. They say he is in phenomenal shape. I know, but Kyle Kyle's mentals is a little off. You know, like uh, my man Skittles talk about keep to protect your mentals, and you know we <laughs> talked about that on this show. And Kyle Long, he, I mean, if you look at his history, the history going back, go back to college. Um, I don't know. I don't trust him. Plus, he's he's banged up. He, I mean, he. That's why he left Chicago for. I guess the last two years he was in Chicago, he never played. He was hurt. So I, maybe the year off, like you said, maybe he did. His body did get healthy. You know, after a year off, it, it helped Gronk. You know, it, uh, we've seen other players do that, but I don't know. I just think that, uh, like I said, offensive line. That's that's where they. That's what they need help with. Do you think the Raiders or the Chargers are going to make any significant gains to challenge Kansas City? You know, the Chargers, they actually need, had, need a little good luck because they lost. They, they suffered a, a tremendous amount of injuries on that defense. And the defense yeah. is actually – the defense is – if everyone can stay healthy, if, in the NFL, it's an if, um, they're not – they're actually – on paper, they're actually good. And, and the players that, they, that have been hurt in the past, they've actually performed in the past. So you right. know they're good. Um, the Chargers again, they just have to shore up their offensive line. Um, their their pass catchers are fine. They did lose Hunter Henry to New England. However, I still mm-hmm. think that they have enough of offense uh led by Keenan Allen uh outside. Uh, I think they still and, and the and the young the young kid, I think uh Habert, uh, Justin Habert, I think they still have a uh uh I think they have enough. The Raiders, again, they're off I I don't I can't believe the theme is offensive line, but Gruden basically gave his he gave his line away. That was a strength. Um, but the, the team I'm interested in in that division because I think Vegas, the, I was going to say San Diego, uh, the Chargers, and obviously KC, I think they're fine. The interesting team in that, and I'm really looking forward to their draft, is Denver. Because mm-hmm. now that Elway does not have control of the draft, he's just the figurehead as far as, I guess, signing checks, and they actually have a real GM. I, I'm curious to see how they go about their business because we've seen Drew Locke for two years. He mm-hmm. sucked. Mm-hmm. And Elways mm-hmm. can't seem to get it right when it comes to quarterback. So that's the team that I want to see what they can do. All the other teams I think are on a their natural trajectory it seems to be okay. 
Yeah, Ed snatched a little bit of my thunder because I was going to start with the Denver Broncos because I don't think they're done in the quarterback area. I really think that they're going to pull something that's going to surprise a lot of people. And I think that that team will be the closest competitors for Kansas City this year. I think the Raiders are actually going to take the place of the bottom of the division because I do see the Chargers making a step up. long as they don't throw the ball to Jared Cook. You know, losing Henry and picking up Cook, Cook is a bum. That's why New Orleans couldn't rely on him. How many times did he drop touchdowns that last this past year? I can't stand the dude, so I'm glad he over there somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So I think, of course, with with any team to, to really make a run, you got to have a solid offensive line. I really think Denver will do a lot to make sure that the key positions are solidified. And I think they will make a splash at quarterback that is going to surprise us. As a matter of fact, I've been kind of racking my brain about what move that they would make in order to get the quarterback that they need for now and in the future to come in and actually start right away. Because they they weren't too bad last year. They were competitive. I mean, I know they had some key injuries and they stuck up maybe a couple of games, but for the most part, they were competitive and their problem was their quarterback. He just could not get it done. And then when they had their little coronavirus thing and they end up playing a game without a quarterback, I mean, that was the apex of what, what they had to go through last year. So my second place team this year would be the Denver Broncos. What do you see, Big Reds? Well, did you say Teddy? The best thing for Denver to do is bring in Teddy. Ooh. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that would immediately upgrade them at the QB position, give them stability. Not saying he's a long term, but he could be a great bridge, and then they could draft their long term project quarterback maybe in the second, third round. So they have some good quarterbacks that aren't going to go in the first round that can be developed and give them chance to develop because they got a lot of young weapons on offense for Denver. So, but I, I, I think the charges just, if the defense of the charges can stay healthy, they're going to be the closest things. But I don't think anybody's going to really bother Kansas city, except for Kansas city, Kansas City's the only team that can stop them from winning that division. Easy for me. Mm-hmm. The toughest division I think in the AFC is the AFC East. You got the new bullies on the box, the Buffalo Bills. Fool's gold. Woo! Y'all heard it here first. You got the New England Patriots doing unpatriot things, spending more money than they spent in years in free agency on one year. And then you got Patriots South, the Miami Dolphins, who I told y'all last year that they had a bunch of picks and they were putting together a crazy squad. They still got those picks and they were 10 and 6 last year. So and then the Jets are the Jets. So who has well, the, who has who, the biggest moves in the AFC East to get done in the in the draft to run that division? I would say who well okay we're not gonna mention the Jets. They're 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 semi pro. Um <laughs> Here's here's what I see. The Buffalo Bills have the best quarterback and the best wide receiver combination in in, in the probably in the AFC. Let's 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 put that there. Mm-hmm. I said prob- I said probably it's debatable between it's Mahomes arguable. and Cheetah. It's, it's I mean, you, you could no you could debate it. 
doubt. At worst, the second or third. Let's say the second. Because they because Mahomes has a ring. But whatever. But New England's interesting because they did they went on a spending spree in free agency. Plus, they get a lot of those players back that they have opt that opted out last year. And forget, don't forget, they had the most of the NFL last year. Plus, Belichick has a chip on his shoulder. And I would and, and it's going to be interesting to see how he how he does the draft this year because they have a history of trading back to accumulate picks. But I think at 68 or 69 years old now, he's seen a losing season for the first time in probably since he was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he has a lot. He can't wait to accumulate picks. He needs to win now. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Miami on the turn, they have two issues they need to address. Number one, because they have a championship defense. Yeah. Number one is how are they going to support Tua? And we'll know we'll know early on this year if they really have faith in his in in, in number uh, number one Tua Tagovailoa because. Um, if they don't get him any more playmakers and if they don't solidify that line, they need about another one or two players on that offensive line. They did invest two top 40 picks last year on their offensive line, and, and they actually played a lot. But I think Tua obviously is the key. Tua and another receiver is the key for them to draft this year because uh, Tua, in my opinion, should not have played last year because prior to the year leading up there, he was rehabbing. He was spending more time rehabbing. And, and and doing functional work as, instead of doing football work. And there's a difference. You know, he was just wanting to get healthy. But anyway, he should be healthy and ready to roll this year. And it's going to be interesting to see if they actually support the man to let him succeed. Because, again, that defense in Miami is ready to win right now. Well, I'm still picking Buffalo as the class of, of the AFC East, and here's why. The most most uh, prolific and important position on the field is quarterback. He is the best quarterback in the division. Yes. No matter what the Patriots do at their position, Cam Newton is still an unknown whether he can come back from COVID with a full offseason, if he can even resemble close to what he was in his MVP season. Tua, I think, is a little gun shy. Now that Jacoby Brissett is down there, and you know Jacoby is going to push him to get on the field. And if he's really healthy, if he's really healthy, does he have the full confidence of the coach to actually go out there and get it done? And not only that, the team. The team turned on him last year. And that's going to be in the back of his mind. So what is his psyche going to be like coming in the training camp and really moving ahead to get his team to where it needs to go? And like you said, yeah, we, we're not really looking or counting much for the Jets. But Emmanuel Sanders got picked up by the Buffalo Bills. Now you put him with Diggs on the other side? Man, I think that offense is going to hum. And their defense is already solid. They were already this close to getting there this year. And I think they still going to just edge out the Patriots to win that division once again. The Bills need to do something for running back. Yes. And their defense is still a little suspect. Mm. Just a yes. little. They need, they need to tighten up the defense. But I'm not worried about two as much as y'all are. Y'all, don't forget, Tua signed with Alabama knowing that Jalen Hurts was there and just won SEC Offensive Player of the Year as a freshman and still came and was pissed off that he wasn't playing by the end of the by the end of his freshman year because he was out playing Jalen yeah. in practice. So he doesn't mind competing. Right. So Yeah, I, I, think, I agree. I think 
him getting healthy and getting an actual offseason to work on football stuff, they got to get him a weapon. They need to use that number five pick on Pitts if he's there or uh, the wide receiver. And I know everybody would say get the wide receiver from one of the Bama boys. I would get uh, LSU wide receiver that sat out a year because he's a bigger body. He's got freakish wingspan. So they get him that and then use that. Because don't forget, they got a second first-round pick. Use the second first-round pick on an offensive line, and then they got two seconds to beef up that line. Miami's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And I can see Miami giving Buffalo all they want for the AFC East. That's going to be a good one to watch. All right, we, we going in your backyard, Ed. Good. I like it. <clears throat> you called it last year. You, you shocked us. You said the Steelers was going to win the AFC North. We laughed at you. I Y'all know, did I laugh. At you, mocked you, <laughs> and you, you was dead right. So <laughs> I, I'm giving you the floor. at the end. Tell me about the AFC North this year. I still think, of course, I. I, I still think Pittsburgh is going to win the division. And, if, and for me to say that this year is is borderline insane. That's even worse than last year. They have no running back. Yeah, I'm about to say, talk about who needs running backs. They have no offensive linemen. <laughs> they have they have maybe they have two promising, they have a promising guard. Uh, whatever. They have no offensive tackles. They have no tight end at all. Um lost this in a well, that's offensive line. Yeah, they they don't have a center. Uh, their linebacker death is suspect. Um, yeah, and Big Ben is a one hit away from retirement. Yeah, for retirement. So they have no succession plan in place for him in case that happens. So let's just say, but I still think Pittsburgh will win the division because somehow, some way, I think Ben is going to stay healthy. I, I just have a feeling he's going to stay healthy. Um Baltimore will be second. It's it's the more things change, the more things stay the same. Baltimore be, will be second, but they have to address the interior line on that team quick. More than more than a wide receiver, they need to address the interior line of that team. And if they do, they may win the division. To be honest with you, because heck, let's be honest, Baltimore cannot draft wide receivers. They can draft great tight ends. But they can't, for whatever reason, draft wide receivers. And and personally, I don't think they should try. I think they should stick to – and Baltimore usually does this. They usually stick to what they know. And I know people keep hollering about edge rushers and someone to affect the, uh, a quarterback on Baltimore scene. But, no, that's not they, – they, they're fine. They need a, they need a, another tight end because um, their, second, their second tight end that they lost to Atlanta last year, they didn't realize how much that was going to affect them. Anyway – they're number two. Um, Cleveland, Cleveland's fine. They've they've been drafting number. They've been drafting in the top ten for forty five years. They have talent on that team. They just have to perform. They need a little help on their defensive line, except outside of Garrett. But they should be fine. Um, and they might they might they could use a linebacker. Um, yeah. And Cincinnati, it's, it they got to protect the young boy. They got that boy yeah. battered and bruised last year for no got reason. His leg broke. Um, got his leg broke. Whether he can come back, people just act like an ACL is. Oh, he'll be back next year. It don't always work like that. But anyway, they need some. Um, I think they might need a, a you know, a, maybe a backup running back. But offensive line is the theme in in, in Cincinnati. So yeah, that's what I see. How y'all see it? 
So contrary to what, contrary to what uh, Big Rage just said, y'all, this is the best division in the AFC. And I'm going to tell you why. And the Steelers, uh, they'll be lucky to come in second place. I actually have, depending on the way that the Ravens go, I disagree with you. This draft is wide receiver rich, just like last year, and they have to go away from the defensive side of the ball in their draft and get one of these stud wide receivers to give their star quarterback a bona fide weapon to make a difference. Yeah, they can do a little bit with the line, but don't forget, they're, he's still athletic enough to get out the way. He's not done yet in that area. So they'll be enamored with him being able to still move and run, but if they can get him a weapon and then if they can replace Ingram in the backfield with at least a decent second, third down running back, they'll be okay. But Cleveland, I'm going to shock you, I got Cleveland winning this division next year because I made steps the last two years. They've drafted well. We we laughed uh, uh, Baker Mayfield out. And all that Bama did was go from shining in every commercial known to man to actually being a bona fide quarterback in the NFL that can win some games. I think he still has room to grow and will take that step. And the defense and that team that he has around him, because don't forget his weapons, he's still got a plethora of weapons that he can use. And when you put that and how your boys will start out strong, but they're going to melt down earlier this year. So I got them <laughs> like a, a, a nine and seven, eight and eight team. So I don't think y'all are going to solve the running back. I think Ben is going to struggle. And I really think we'll see Haskins before the season is over. And you guys are just going to be looking for next year's draft. I mean, I, I see it that way. Cincinnati, They'll still make some steps, but they won't compete for the division. But I really have the Cleveland Browns shocking that division world and winning that division next year. If the Cleveland Browns sign Clowney tomorrow, he'll be in Cleveland tomorrow. They've been flirting with him for two years. Mm -hmm. And this is around the time where he started making decisions. If they sign him tomorrow and put him on the opposite end of that other monster from Texas A&M, Cleveland gonna be a problem, and if yeah, Clowney yeah. signs, if Clowney signs, Cleveland wins the division. <laughs> okay, y'all laugh at me last year. Gonna laugh this year too. The Ravens, <laughs> I, I like the pickup of Zeitler for guard, but the Ravens need to fix the interior line. They didn't realize how big of an issue it was when they had a possible Hall of Famer guard retired. So if they can get another guard in in the draft to solidify that offensive line, and they got to get another big-body young receiver. Doesn't have to be a first-round receiver. Like Professor said, if you can get a good receiver second or third round in this draft, there's some good players out there. Not saying he's going to be used all the time, but they need to be able to get the safeties away from the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but Big Reg and Professor Jay, it doesn't make a difference if they get a receiver or not. He can't. He's not going to get him the ball. Dude, we said last year throughout the season that he is progressing as a passer. Do, do you not remember that? He is progressing as a passer. I, I didn't say he was John Elway or, or Drew Brees or, or Tom Brady, but he is making steps and becoming a better passer. I agree. I agree. I'll say Lamar is doing the work when people are looking. Lamar's working right now. 
he he's had his boy Hollywood with him most of the most of the offseason. They even work. I wouldn't be mad with him if they, right. I told you they should have did this last year. They need to go ahead and sign AB. Put AB in the slot. If they put AB in the slot and get a young wide receiver, plus they added uh the old fella that keeps getting hurt. Watkins. Watkins. With that running game, they would be a problem. If you know AB what comes to the Ravens, they'd be the problem. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of dropping you this remind me of talking to parents you ever talk to a, you ever talk to parents and 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 y'all all at the y'all at the you know school event and and they they keep hyping up their kid and the kid he got, he got, they, they said he got special tutors he got he, he got he got he got one-on-one really? instruction by his really mom and dad is. every night. Really but is. then the kid is really working hard, but he just ain't, he just can't get it. It's just, he it, and no matter what, Big Red, Big Red, I'm, I'm, Big Red, you know you have a gifted and talented young lady. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody think they, everybody think they can, no matter how hard you work, everybody can't go to Harvard Law. Stop, 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 stop. I'm done. But quick question, do you really think A.B. going to leave his boyfriend down there in Tampa Bay? Man, we look. I'm they don't want to pay him. I want Lamar to do well. That's all I'm gonna say. I love my black quarterbacks. Well, Tampa if he want another Bay. running, he better stay. Tampa Bay is real simple. You can have the same deal you had last year. We'll sweeten it with some extra bonuses, but that's it. He, I don't think he, his he ego won't let him play for that, and that's his problem. But he's working out right now with Hollywood. And Lamar right now. All right, let's move to the weakest division in the AFC and we get out of here. You got the AFC South. Quite quite honestly, this is a two-team race. Mm-hmm. It may only be a one-team race, depending on what, what your boy Carson Carson Wentz does in, in <laughs> but uh the Tennessee Titans, they seem like the big dogs to me. They, they need, like everybody else, everybody can improve the offensive line. They need a wide receiver so mm-hmm. that they can expand their offense more and not have to worry, lean on King Henry all the time. But just like we talked about Lamar, it don't make a difference if you get a wide receiver. Tannehill is a wide receiver himself. So how is he going to be going for a wide receiver? Too? You know what I'm saying? It ain't going to work. He's a wide receiver. Check the stats when he got the Texas A&M. He was a wide receiver. I saw I him play. I, was, I went I to the game. I know so he, he's a wide receiver, but he gets paid like, like a top quarterback because of Henry, who only makes $15 million a year. Travesty. Travesty. Yeah, I know you're going to beat that drum forever. I'm done. I've been wilding out. I'm done. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, it goes without saying. Tennessee is just the big dog in the room. We all know what's happening with the Texans. We all know just like uh, the Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars are just a, a JV team right now. And Carson went since, nah, son. I think what's the what's the track record for any quarterback that ever left Philly to go and go somewhere else? It's not real good. 
And I don't really see him, if he can stay healthy, I still don't see him doing enough in that division to even sniff the Tennessee Titans with that team. I mean, they, they let uh, T.Y. go, right? T.Y. Hilton is gone. I mean, they got a lot of holes to fill. Oh, he retired? Okay, my bad. Okay, so you got T.Y. The defense is like that. Love the defense for the Colts. But where are you? The running backs are decent. But where are you really going to get that umph to really compete with Tennessee in that division? I just don't see it. Carson Wentz is suspect. He had that good season where he was close to being an MVP when he got hurt, and then everything just fell off the rails. But see, the problem with Tennessee is that if Derrick Henry has an injury, or it could be like a small, I don't want a major injury, it could be like a hamstring, and it's just a nagging injury, mm-hmm. that's, their, that's their whole game plan. Because Tannehill can't win games alone. He, he can barely win games with, Henry, with the best running back in the NFL behind him. So I just don't see it being that big of a challenge for Indy to 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 us to ascend to that top spot. I you know how I feel about Carson Wentz. I think he's a bum. He can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy at South Dakota State. So if he can't stay at North Dakota State, what wherever he went, one of them Dakota State. North Dakota State. If he can't stay healthy at a little school like that, I mean, how can he stay? What's what? You know, in the NFL, he's already proven he can't stay healthy. Plus, he got a little bit of that. Yeah. I should be starting and no one else should be starting, you know, about them. And you know what that is about. That's about. But yeah. I just think I just think that as we speak, as far as being a proven winner, I think Indy is the second best team clearly in that division because only because the brother at Houston, well, we don't know what's going to happen in Houston. And he's just going to be in a bad situation. Urban, I think Urban might have a little success down in Jacksonville. But we don't know what Lawrence is going to do in the NFL. We don't know. They do, you know, they have a couple pieces in place. I know they only won two games. I, I, I mean, no, one. One. Two. There was it no, two? One. No, one. Yeah, one. One. Hey, hey, what did Urban Meyer do when he started losing to Florida? Chest pains. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I ain't messing with the man. I don't want the man to, you know, have chest pains. But what, what, what happened at Ohio State after he won the national championship and win again? Stress. Right. He will come into the NFL. Yeah, well, maybe he's maybe he'll just delegate. Maybe he'll just sit back and delegate power. That's all head coach needs to do anyway, is delegate power. Oh yeah, he gonna get that money. He gonna yeah. get that money. Yeah. yeah, I think that was a grab. Then he can go right back to five. Exactly. He was about to get some Daniel Snyder. Let's not forget that. He was real close. He was real close, but he looked at the culture and probably was like, nah, I ain't going there. Yeah. So that is our AFC quick look. Next week, we will hit the NFC, spend a little more time in the NFC. That's a couple of things that caught our attention this week. Uh, for you uh, basketball fans, just want to point out that this Thursday is the WNBA draft. It's going to be on ESPN. Please check it out. Support the ladies. In that same vein, we got to say congrats to Arizona co- coach Adia Barnes. She was added to Coach Don Staley's um, women's national team coaching staff after her great run in the NCAA tournament. So congratulations. Eddie George has become the new head coach of Tennessee State. Another Superstar NFL player giving back and going back to HBCU. So 
That is big stuff, big stuff. Got to give my man Hideki Matsuyama a big mm. props for winning the Masters. I mean, Tony. that is huge. They can have the Olympics. Can you imagine? That's a minimum of 30 to $100 million revenue he's going to make over the next two years just from winning that tournament. Huge. For you boxing fans. Lucky, lucky we don't have Fuzzy Zola there no more talking about what they're going to have for the dinner uh, next year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 For you boxing fans, I'm going to give you a name to please remember. Jaron, a.k.a. Boots Ennis out of Philadelphia. He is a welterweight. He's mm -hmm. undefeated, 27-0, 25 knockouts. Calling this, everybody out. <laughs> this past Saturday, he knocked out uh, Sergey Lipinets in the sixth round. And it wasn't even that close. Probably could have finished him earlier. He's a monster. Young monster. I think he's 23 years old. Look out for him. Them old heads and, and the welterweight that don't want to fight each other. They better look out. They got a young line coming. Um, for you UFC fans, we got a fight night this Saturday. Our former champion Whitaker's fighting former champion Gaslam. So that's another one. That's going to be on ESPN. And then another boxing treat. Demetrius Andre, the most feared man in boxing because nobody will fight this dude. He's a WBO middleweight title holder. He's going to fight Liam Williams on, on the zone. And then Tony Harrison comes back and fights on Fox. So those just some things that caught our eye. It's now time for the professor to give us his post takes for the evening. Real quick, Big Ridge. Who was... I swear it was a light middleweight. Who was the light? I mean, light heavyweight African dude. I watched it. He not, he hit this dude so hard. He knocked him. Yes. He's not. He's not everybody out. He is. A he's a heavyweight. He he, he started at cruiserweight. He's been fighting a heavyweight for four fights. He is a monster. Yes, he is. I I was flipping through and I landed on that fight. I caught it right at the end. Man, man, it was like a truck hit that dude and his legs just folded. Good God yeah. oh my. His whole body contorted, his legs yeah. facing one way, his upper yeah, body crazy. twisted. One touch. <laughs> yeah, that man is a monster. Yeah. All right, y'all, let's get into the post takes because the hour is getting late. Now, it's a surprise for y'all fellas, but y'all going to love it. This is my salute to the Masters. So I'm giving some fun facts and trivia that a lot of y'all didn't know. So let's get it. Kenichiwa, a well-deserved victory for Hideki Matsuyama. He has become Japan's first victory at the Masters. He has now solidified his name on a short list of non-Caucasian champions at the Masters. He joins the likes of Tiger Woods, Vijay Singh, and Sergio Garcia. He also joins an even shorter list of former amateurs to play at the Masters to eventually win as a professional. Congratulations. Robert Lee Elder was the first African-American to play in the Masters tournament in 1975. He would miss the cut that year. His highest finish at the Masters was 17th, which came in 1979. He had 16 professional wins and was well-loved and respected by many. Elder was present uh, for Tiger Woods when he became the first African-American to win the Masters in 1997. 
Von Townsend became the first African-American member of Augusta National where the Masters Championship is played in 1990. The Champions Dinner is for members of the Masters Club, those who have won a Masters tournament and is hosted by the defending champion on Tuesday of Masters Week. The tradition of members wearing green jackets began in 1937 when jackets were purchased from New York's Brooks Uniform Company the idea was that Masters patrons easily could identify the members who could give them accurate information. Avid golfer Dwight Ike Eisenhower is the only U.S. president to have been a member or a club member. Ike's Pond occupies three acres near hole number nine on the par three course and a nine hole layout that is the site of the traditional par three contest on Wednesday of Masters Week. Each hole, each hole is named after a plant or shrub that adorns it. For example, hole number three is called the flowering crab apple. An estimated 80,000 plants have been added since the course was built. The tournament was not played during the years of 1943, 44, and 45. You know why? World War II. To help with the war effort, Turkey and cattle were raised on Augusta, Augusta National's grounds. The record fountain was built to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the Masters. It is located left of number 17 green and displays course records and Masters tournament winners. There are three dedicated bridges at Augusta National. The Sarazen Bridge at hole number 15 to honor Gene Sarazen his double eagle there during the 1935 Masters, the Hogan Bridge at number 12 green to honor Ben Hogan's then record score of 274 in 1953, and the Nelson Bridge at number 13 T to honor Byron Nelson's performance on holes 12 and 13 when he won the 1937 Masters. So salute to the Masters. It was certainly phenomenal. I watched so much of it this weekend. Just great to see that competition. And certainly we know that Tiger Woods was missed. Back to you, Big Ridge. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate that, Professor. Appreciate that. All right, it is time for us to get up out of here. So it is time for our final post. Uh, Ed, why don't you start us off, my brother? Yeah, um, I just want to thank, uh, obviously, uh, Aaron and Coach Mark for shining some light on on their experiences in uh, the Monarchs uh, soccer team. So I definitely appreciate them coming on. Um, as usual, I appreciate you guys. Can't say enough how much I appreciate you guys. Um, we all have our things that we're involved in, and it's just easy. It's just easy when a group of guys like uh, that supports me the way you guys do is available. So thank you. Um, also, most important is our, our listeners and our viewers. Thank you for always showing up. Um, we, we definitely appreciate you. And again, stay safe. Um, if you believe in vaccines, get one. If you don't, wear your mask and stay six feet apart. See you next week. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Professor, you up? 
Thank you guys for listening. Certainly, once again, another shout out to the future monarchs and Ed, man, I love you too. Big Ridge, man. Y'all, you guys are the best. <laughs> J3 and J Wheels, we miss y'all tonight, but J3, yeah, thank you for chiming in in the chat. You kept it lively. Love you, brother. You know, hope all is well. And lastly, y'all, I'm sorry. I, I hate that we continue to have to go in this direction. Dante Wright. The young man who was gunned down by an officer in Minnesota, thinking that it was a taser. We have to keep visiting these same narratives. When is our country really going to wake up and start seeing us as human beings instead of people to take target practice with? Police are supposed to be trained to handle situations and handle individuals in a way where you can preserve life. It's done for other people so it can be done for everybody. But just prayers, shout out to his family, his mom, just a heart-wrenching interview she gave yesterday. We really have to come together as a nation and stop this hate. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Professor. Uh, I'm gonna piggyback on that a little bit. Um, first and foremost, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the Monarchs and Coach Mark. It was an honor and privilege to speak with you guys, and hopefully, we shed a little light on your situation and the amazing, amazing feats that you guys pulled off down at the Dallas Cup. I, I knew it was big, but I had no idea that was the most prestigious. I know. Uh, soccer event in the U.S. So hats off to you guys. Um, I would just like to remind everybody, we did a show last year with um, Police Chief Ayers. Mm -hmm. And one thing he said, and it shines through today, unfortunately, because of what happened up in the uh, Minneapolis area, you may be perfectly right, but the goal is to get home. Do what you got to do to get home. Bite your tongue, bite your lip, get home. As we saw right down the street in Virginia um, in December, a man in full military uniform coming from the mm -hmm. military hospital was pulled over because they said they didn't see his tag in the window, but he had the tag because it was a brand new truck. He felt scared for his life, so he pulled, he didn't stop immediately. He went to the closest lighted area, which was a gas station, pulled in, and they pulled their guns on them, pepper sprayed them, and some more stuff. So you got to be careful. It, it's not right, and trust me, I know it's not right, but get home. We can figure out the rest after that. Please get home. Comply. Do what you got to do at that second to save your life because it's obvious what they they fear so much that they'll come up with any excuse for using their weapons. And I'll leave it at that. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in and listening. We appreciate your time and opportunity to share our positions on sports with you. We're here each and every Tuesday, 7 p.m. live. And if you can't catch us live, you can follow us on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel at Positions on Sports Talk Show. You can hit us on Twitter, Positions on SPO1. 
And if you are the kind of person that doesn't have time, but you listen to podcasts, check out your favorite podcast platform, search positions on sports talk show. You can find us there as well. We'll be here next Tuesday. We're going to talk NFC, get you ready for the draft. We're going to talk some basketball. Jay Will says he's got some fire coming for us on basketball. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing y'all next week. This has been a positional sports talk show. We appreciate y'all. Y'all be safe out there. See you next Tuesday. Peace. God bless you.